0: You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 32. We have another busy show planned for you this week. We begin with a discussion of some unintended consequences relating an ongoing taxation issue regarding stock options. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take a question from a listener about Ten Peaks Coffee Company. The symbol is TPK on the TSX, a unique BC-based small cap which uses its proprietary process to decaffeinate premium green coffee. The company reported a strong second quarter this week. We answer whether it's a buy, sell, or hold at present. Our star of the week is Canadian Gaming Company. CG is its symbol on the TSX also BC-based, which operates in the gaming, entertainment, and hospitality business in four provinces across Canada and in Washington State. The stock has jumped over 25% recently after announcing a big deal with Brookfield Properties. Finally, our dog of the week is our alternative finance company, Calidus Capital, CBL, on the TSX. The company's shares are down 26% in the last seven trading days after the Wall Street Journal reported that at least four unnamed individuals have filed whistleblower complaints with the Ontario Securities Commission with allegations of fraud. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week and you, for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feeds or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host Keystone's senior equity analyst, a father of two, and a man who is so impressed with the crossover success of the McGregor-Mayweather fight that he is proposing that I appear as a crossover analyst on the show Say Yes to the Dress because picking stocks and picking dresses have about the same in common as boxing and MMA. Mr. Aaron Dunn?
1: I think you'd be a great judge on the show, but it has nothing to do with you being an analyst. I just think you, you would know dresses well. You're quite, you're quite the fashionista.
0: Yes. Let's not get into that too much, though. Now, can we talk a little bit about tax benefit, the tax benefit known as the stock option deduction? I'm going to talk a little bit about that and the unintended consequences surrounding uh, that policy. Now, at, at issue for the past several years is something called the stock option deduction. It's a tax break for employees that critics say benefits essentially fat cat wealthy corporate executives. According to the finance department in Canada, now keeping this perk intact will cost Ottawa a projected $840 million this year. Of course, this doesn't factor in any net benefits of the plan, which would include employee retention, etc. But the credits out there, um, including from the advocacy, advocacy group, Canadian for Tax Canadians for Tax Fairness, state, um, why would we give more money to those who are already overpaid and extremely wealthy? Well, that comes from a particular slant. But the federal Liberal Party at one time actually agreed with this sentiment. As part of their 2015 campaign, they promised to, quote, target tax loopholes that particularly benefit Canada's top 1%. Uh, the party pledged to cap the stock option deduction. Now, fortunately, many of Trudeau's promises in the 2015 election were not worth the paper they were written on, and the stock option uh, taxation was removed from the 2016 budget. Now I think it is important to point out for those who not follow stock options or know how they operate or work that they are only really valuable if the company's share price increases from the point or price the option was granted. In the long term a stock price as we talk about all the time only increases if a business makes more money, and if the business makes more money, it is typically creating more jobs, paying more taxes and growing The economy generally along with it. All of these are win-win scenarios. Now, a stock option is worthless if the business does poorly, and under those circumstances, no tax benefit is generated because no tax is taken at all on a a company that's share price is not increasing in terms of stock options. Now, there are very real unintended consequences to implementing this type of tax policy. It's not just these rich fat cat executives, who potentially benefit from stock options. In fact, for young startup ventures, the type of businesses that can really grow the economy. Now, if are they are hit by uh, a taxation or a greater taxation of stock options. Stock options are part of these type of businesses' culture. You just look at the burgeoning tech se- sector in Waterloo, Ontario, which positions itself as Silicon Valley North. Tell any of the talented software engineers and developers and entrepreneurs and the thousands of startups that you see in this tech hub that their stock options will be fully taxed. And many of the firms or the employees will just up and move to Silicon Valley or anywhere in the U.S. where they are not subject to the tax. It is a globally competitive market that we operate in, and increasing taxes on stock options would be a major hit to this segment, which is well outside the fat cat CEOs that it was intended to penalize. Now, heading into the 2017 budget, some thought the Liberals would revisit the idea uh, as they came up they came up with themselves heading into the into the 2015 election where they pledged to fully tax individual stock option gains over $100,000. Now, then in March, according to the Canadian press, finance minister Bill Morneau halted the plan stating that he was informed by many small firms and innovators that they use stock options as a legitimate form of compensation for their employees, as we talked about. Now, economists from the Center, Center for Policy Alternatives have stated uh, that why would we give more money to those who are already overpaid and extremely wealthy? We, we already talked about that. They have advocated for a cap. Now, I think that it's a, it's a ridiculous policy, as it is saying, it is like saying we would allow you to make a little more money for the risk you are taking. But as soon as we see you hitting a level that we have arbitrary picked for you, now you have become that rich fat cat and you should be taxed as such. You may be creating a whole new company with thousands of employees who all pay tons of taxes, but now you are be- and now that you have become successful at it, we think you have enough and should be taxed more and now should be punitively taxed because you are making more money. I just wholeheartedly agree with policies that, uh, that are positioned as such, and uh, I think that these are some of the unintended consequences of putting a, a misguided policy in, uh, such as increasing the tax on uh, stock options.
1: Well, it looks at least like it's, it's off the table right now. I, I think the Liberals have stopped talking about it. Is that right?
0: Uh, it seems to be off the table. They've stopped talking about it. Um, it looks like they've consulted with uh, some in that industry, and uh, they believe it would it would be detrimental to uh, you know startups which grow the economy. Uh, but there is still people at the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives and Canadian Tax Fairness Society; those advocacy groups continue to push that agenda, and I think that they're. The way that they're looking at it is 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 nearsighted and really just um it's not the way to look at the issue i don't begrudge anybody for making money when their company makes more people money it makes shareholders money and those shareholders often in the companies like they talk about ceos of the top 100 firms in the country 75 of them have uh stock options uh and, and like it's a terribly it's a terribly bad thing well the only time those stock options are valuable is if those businesses continue to grow earnings and grow over time. When they grow, they hire more people. Um, and, and yes, those CEOs get paid more through the options, but they're only, they're only paid more if the company is growing earnings over time, which is good for the economy. And on top of that, many of those CEOs' companies are public companies. And uh, the Can- Canadian Pension Fan- Fund, which everybody in this country has an interest in, is invested in many of those companies. So everybody does well if those companies do well. So it's not just the fat cat rich CEOs that are doing well. And I think that is misrepresented in parts of the media.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you, you basically said it right there. It's, it's the the only time that you're actually getting value from the stock option or compensation from the stock option is generally, it's when you're doing your job, creating value for the company, which is going to be reflected in the in the in the value of the company. So if you're if you're able to grow the company, then that is it. It has a ripple effect, and it's 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 going to be good for the economy. Uh, the stock option itself, it it has no value until uh, until you until you do that job.
0: Exactly. Okay, well, now we're gonna move on to our stars and dog segment. We're gonna start with this week's dog. And Aaron, I'm gonna let you take that away. From our stars and dog segment, it's time for this week's dog.
1: Sure, so this week's dog is Calidus Capital. The symbol is CBL on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It trades for just over $11 per share. This is an alternative finance company. They provide funding to companies that can't access traditional lending sources. The shares are down 26% over the last seven trading days after the Wall Street Journal reported that at least four unnamed individuals have filed whistleblower complaints with the Ontario Securities Commission uh, with allegations of fraud. As far as we know, none of this has been confirmed yet, and the company denies it's subject to to whistleblower complaints, but... True or not, this creates uncertainty for Calidus, and many investors don't don't want to wait and see if the allegations have any validity. If just an article in the Wall Street Journal can cause the company to lose 20% of its market value, then just imagine what would happen if the Ontario Securities Commission actually confirms the allegation. But putting all that aside, we like to look at the numbers as well. and This company just recently reported its second quarter results for 2017, and I was very unimpressed with what I saw uh, net loans receivable declined by about 50% compared to the same time last year, and the net interest margin, a very key, a very key item to look at in a finance company, fell to 3, 3.5% compared to 12.5% in the second quarter of 2016. The company also reported a net loss in the second quarter of $28 million compared to net income of $37 million last year. So, we often get asked about these alternative finance companies, and one of the things that we don't like about the space is that it's it's really hard to figure out what's going on, what's happening underneath the hood obviously they're they're extremely interest rate sensitive and and interest spread sensitive, but it's also a very very complex and sometimes it's very it's it's basically impossible to get a really good grip on the credit quality of the underlying portfolio so this company in particular is, is has several issues right now and and I would not go near it myself.
0: yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, wholeheartedly on that right now, and uh, I think whistleblower or not, uh, the last quarter doesn't make me want to be invested in that company. Uh, yeah, no, that alone.
1: That, that alone, and and either one of those things is yeah. just not a good. Uh, but I mean, Ryan, we we look we looked at this company in yes. the past about a year ago. It it was putting out some really nice numbers, some good profitability growth. It it pays a nice dividend. It was covering the dividend. And in the issue with some of these these finance companies is that you know, if they're, if the spread starts to shrink, so the difference between what they borrow money at and what they lend money at, if that starts to shrink or they experience higher than expected losses in the portfolio, some, some of the companies don't repay the loans, then the profitability can just, it, it can disappear very quickly.
0: Yeah, and it comes down to the quality of the deals on the books. And if some drop off, you know, you can really see a, Uh, or if some aren't paying uh, uh, you can really see a drop in terms of earnings And, and that's what we saw in the last quarter and there is therein lies the risk therein often lies the reason they trade at a discount on a price to cash flow or PE or whatever multiple you're looking at to the market often because there is a higher level of risk and it's justifiably so so we need to put a discount on those companies it did look attractive when you valued it against the market but in its segment, it probably uh, just was priced more effectively because of the fact there's a higher level of risk there. So, in our your stock, our take segment, we have a question from Abigail uh, in Toronto. She talks about, or she asks us about Ten Peaks Coffee Company (TPK) on the TSX. It's an interesting company. We have looked at it a number of times uh, in, in our small cap research. The company owns all of the interest in the Swiss Water Decaffeination Company Limited. It is a premium green coffee decaffeinator located in Burnaby, BC. It also owns and operates Seaforth Supply Chain Solutions, a green coffee handling storage and business, uh, business located in Metro Vancouver. So what is Swiss water decaffeinated coffee? Uh, well, Swiss water employs the proprietary Swiss Water process to decaffeinate green coffee without the use of chemicals, leveraging science-based systems and controls to produce amazing coffee that is ninety-nine point nine percent caffeine-free. The funny thing is, I I, I'm rare. I don't drink coffee, but I I think a lot of people, Aaron, maybe you can confirm this to me. Many people drink coffee just for the caffeine. Uh, Give your opinion on that.
1: drink coffee every almost every day and i i drink some decaffeinated coffee but you know mostly i you know i like a cup of coffee in the morning and it should have caffeine in it yeah, for sure yeah. one thing that i do love decaffeinated coffee for is that uh, as a coffee drinker i do like the taste of coffee as well so if i want to have one later in the day i can i have the option of decaf yeah there's
0: certainly a market for decaffeinated coffee for sure and some people Love the taste of coffee, and and if you can get the great taste there with the decaffeinated uh, and and done cleanly as this company does using no chemicals, I think there's definitely a market here, and they've proven out there is a market for their process, uh, the way they're doing it. Uh, but it is a timely question too from from uh, from Abigail as the company earned. Or just came out with their second quarter results this week. Uh, there was they were very strong results. Uh, higher volumes uh, boosted revenues for both the quarter and year to date. Uh, the revenues were up twenty one percent in the quarter to twenty one point nine million. Net income was up one hundred and twenty seven percent to one point seven million. So tremendous growth uh, in terms of re- good growth in terms of revenue. Strong growth in terms of income. That equated to around $0.19 per share in the quarter alone, up from $0.08 in the same period last year. Year to date, they've had $0.35. That's for the six months of this year, up from $0.22. If you look, we have looked at it, like I said, this company many times in the past. Uh, It is a BC-based business. They're in our back door. it can be boom and bust on the earnings front from year to year, as the business is subject to the whims of coffee pricing. For example, during the first half of this year, the New York C Arabica coffee futures price averaged around a hundred or a dollar U.S. per pound, compared to a dollar twenty-four per pound in the first six months of 2016. However, the NYC was higher on average. It, it has trended, while this year it was higher on average, the trend is what you really should look at in terms of this stock. It has trended downward in terms of price throughout 2017. This has had has a positive impact on the business, contributing to higher year-over-year volumes. So when that New York Sea coffee price declines over a sustained period, customers tend to add to their inventories, or their customers will add to their inventories. Uh, as opposed to that, in 2016, sales orders declined when that New York Sea coffee price started rising as customers chose to consume inventories rather than build them. So a sustained low price trend for coffee is good for business. The opposite is bad. Now, we the, the company came out with these tremendous earnings, and the stock had a little bit of a move, but it really hasn't got, done much since there. And you know, that's kind of it's very curious when you see a stock come up with tremendously strong earnings and there's not much of a move. So, we have to look into the outlook or look forward on what we believe the company will do. So, we looked into the company's outlook. Management has stated for the balance of 2017, the company will continue to focus uh, on ex- executing its capacity expansion plan and working to grow its market share in the US and internationally. But margins in the second half of this year may be reduced if the current weakness in the U.S. dollar continues. And we're seeing that as a theme for a number of companies. But during the second quarter, shipments of the company's decaffeinated coffees rose 19% over the same period last year. And we're up 10% year to date. Now, this third, it's the third quarter in a row that the company has experienced record volume growth with gains coming across the business. Looking ahead, however, they expect volume shipments to continue to increase but to slow somewhat as the second half of the year was particularly strong last year. As a result, the company anticipates annual volumes will be up by between 3 and 7 percent over the same period last year. Well, if you look at in the first quarter up 19 percent, year to date up 10 percent, but now they're only forecasting 3 to 7 percent growth over 2016. It suggests a weaker second half of the year. And the markets always look forward on companies, despite the fact that the price earnings multiple right now looks relatively good. It pays a solid dividend. It looks like the second half will be weaker than it was last year, and the market is holding off on bidding up the shares. We would rank the company as a hold right now. We would not be buying shares with a weak outlook going into the second half of this year.
1: It's definitely definitely one to watch though. And and as you've said, I've I've followed it for a while. It's the the quarterly results can be really fluctuative. The one thing that I do like about this business is that they have a proprietary technology that's unique. And that's that that that's a great asset. And clearly they're able to to drive solid cash flow out of that asset. If they could ever demonstrate that this type of performance, even I mean, this was an amazing quarter, they wouldn't have to grow at these levels, but where they could they could string together Multiple successive quarters of of good performance and good growth with a solid outlook, then then this would be a company that that would be extremely interesting.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, if if this company had a that quarter and a solid growth outlook going into the second half of the year, this would be the type of business that we would look at buying. So, you know, and yeah, and, and you, then
1: income wouldn't have to double; it could go up no ten percent or twelve percent. That's right.
0: Exactly. No, I mean, so it is, you know, Abigail, you're looking at the, you know, you're, you're barking up the right tree. Definitely. You're looking at the right companies. Uh, we just believe over the next six months, you may see some weaker results. If you're comfortable just get it, taking that dividend, which is over 4% right now, uh, and then looking for, and if you believe, if you have some special insight into where coffee prices are going next year, you know, it could be a decent entry point if you looked at it from that perspective. Just in the near term, it looks like a week or second half of the year, so we would just hold and not be entering a new position uh, would be our recommendation at this point. Now, in terms of the star. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. It's Great Canadian Gaming Corp. This week, and Aaron's going to take that one.
1: Yes, Great Canadian Gaming, symbol is GC, trades for $32 per share on the Toronto Stock Exchange. They're based out of Coquitlam, BC. This company operates in the gaming, entertainment, and hospitality businesses business in four provinces across Canada and also in Washington State. They own approximately 22 gaming properties, and that includes four racetracks and 14 casinos. The shares are up 26% since the company announced two weeks ago that it had been awarded, along with Brookfield Partners, a contract to operate three casinos in the greater Toronto area for at least 22 years on behalf of the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corp. Great Canadian would operate these facilities and hold a 49% stake in in the partnership with Brookfield The company also released its second quarter results on August 10th. Revenues grew 15% in the quarter and earnings per share were up 19% to 43 cents. Over the past year, the company has reported earnings per share of $1.40, which puts the price to earnings valuation at about 23 times. This is above the the market average, but the company has produced double-digit growth in revenue and earnings this year. The outlook appears positive and they are reinvesting back in the business. The combined revenue of the three casinos they'll be operating with Brookfield is over $1 billion. We don't know how much of that, how much great Canadian gaming is going to be making from this deal, but we would expect it to be meaningful. Overall, we think the fundamentals look pretty good with the revenues and earnings moving in the right direction and the valuation as well is fairly reasonable. So it's well deserving of our, our recognition as this week, Star.
0: I agree. Uh, it's uh, you know, a company that we you know, we have on our watch list as well. And it, we'll continue to watch certainly. it going forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's not
1: a small cap. It's not an income stock, but it's, 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 it's a company to watch for sure.
0: No. And, and if any company that we think would offer value for our clients, uh, long-term, you know, we're going to continue to monitor them, but it's on our monitor list. We're not buying right now, uh, for the reasons Aaron talked about, but, uh, you know, it, it it's gains this week, make it a star in, a, in our, uh, podcast. So again, I'd like to thank uh, all our listeners for uh, tuning in again this week. Uh, Again, follow us on Twitter, at Keystocks, and on Facebook. And uh, keep those questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segment. Send them to Twitter, send them to Facebook, uh, email them to us directly, and we'll answer your questions. Again, Aaron, uh, I'd like to thank you for co-hosting. And uh, the final thing I'd like to remind uh, listeners that we will be in Toronto giving a seminar on September the 8th. It's the night of September the 8th. It starts around 6.15, I believe, does it not? Aaron?
1: Yes, I believe so. Yes. 6:15. Okay,
0: excellent. 6.15, a two-hour seminar at the Toronto Money Show. It's on the website. All the yes, details it's are on, on the, the website. website. You can find the details there. Thanks again, Aaron, and profitable investing. Thank you, profitable investing.